0: All right, Pittsburgh, this is the Death Star here, and you are listening to MMA FanCast. Tune in.
1: Oh, right. baby! What time is it? You are listening to MMA
0: FanCast. Here are your hosts, Jim Mooney and Luke Pearson.
1: Welcome to the show. My name's Luke, and I'm joined today by Alan, the Chinese disappointment. Lou, Alan, welcome. How's it going? Well, since I was a little uncomfortable to use your fight nickname, I know it's a joke, I think, among your friends. So how did you come up with that fight nickname? Because it is one of the more unique ones.
0: Um, it's a it's a long-winded story, but uh, basically um, I was supposed to be a doctor and here I am. That's essentially why. Oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> gotcha. So expectations from your family was a little bit different than fighters.
0: Oh yeah, 100%, yeah.
1: Okay, well that that makes sense. All right, that makes sense. Well, speaking of you being a fighter, I had the privilege and pleasure to sit cage side April 6th of 20 I think it would've been 2019 yeah. um and watch your MMA debut and then interview you as the winner. So that was great. Now you've had one fight since then. Yeah. And you're 2 and 0 and you're undefeated. So let's let's kind of jump backwards and say what was your debut fight like for you and then what was the second fight like for you kind of bring us through those two fights because you're a young talented very athletic fighter with a lot of potential so let's kind of go backwards a little bit
0: um i appreciate that so uh basically debut um it was uh so i actually was not able to really fully in enjoy that experience because that morning of the fight I woke up like extremely sick um and then so everything was kind of on autopilot I was just trying to like I was just kind of like trying to stay afloat um leading up to that fight just trying to uh keep my feet like just keep checking my temperature keep seeing and as as it got later on during the day my temperature went up and then um by the time I was leaving for the venue, I was at like a 102 fever. Um, so, like, I get in the locker room, I'm in the locker room, like, trying to get warm. They're trying to get me to mm-hmm. um, pick up the pace on the mitts, and I'm, I'm like dizzy. And uh, I had like the fever sweat, so I was already warm. Yeah. Um, wow. But, and then like the win, um, the win was great. Everything was great. But as soon as I got out of the cage, like then my, my stomach was killing me. Everything was killing me. So I was just like, I just want to get home. Um, so that wasn't like, that wasn't super fun, even though I got the win. Uh, and then my second fight, that was another experience because like, I knew I'd won the fight at the end of the fight. Um, but halfway through the fight, my coaches got kicked out. Um, and they didn't do anything there was something it was had something to do with the license licensing with the athletic commission for west virginia but the um athletic commissioner for west virginia was not the best person that i met um and he you hear in the video you hear him kicking them out um and so i was very mad about that so when i I like got my hand raised but the whole time thinking you know Uh, why did my coaches get kicked out? I was, like, really pissed I didn't have my coaches um, halfway through the fight. So I was just, like, that was kind of clouded my mind. I remember going back to the locker room and just, like, cursing about that, like, F this guy, F the commissioner. So, like, I eventually was able to enjoy that win later on in the night, but, like, that was a whole uh, experience. But, yeah, I mean, basically after uh, both fights, my mind stayed on that same path of, this isn't over. I have a lot to work on, and I need to get to that next level. So, it's it's not any. I don't want to like sound kind of pessimistic, but it's not anything. Um, it's not anything I take too much pride in because I know I have a lot to work on, and I know I need to uh, get to that next level. So,
1: well, speaking of the next level, to jump into someone we've had on the show um, before, and it's also going to be your opponent um Dylan Harnish is 2-0 and you're 2-0 and mm-hmm. and in the amateur MMA it's actually fairly rare to come across amateurs with unbeaten uh records just because amateurs p- typically pick up a loss here and there just because you're learning the process and all that so um not trying to put him out there like some uh crazy high level opponent but what's it like being matched up with somebody um, who is in in some ways the next level of your development in the sense of you're both two and zero, uh, you both have had enough to know that you're successful, but now you're going to be facing each other, and obviously that's something that's going to repeat as you go in your career.
0: Um, didn't didn't really play into anything. I just all I said was find me an opponent, and then I was given a name. I didn't look into him. I just said yeah, sure, because I needed like quarantine yeah. was way too long. Yeah. Fights, I didn't like care about the record. I I'm not talking trash but he I he won one by DQ so I like I was just kind of like okay. And it's we both only had two fights. That's yeah. not a very extensive career. And I'm not going to
1: Yeah.
0: um I'm not going to sit here and hype either of us up. I just know that regardless um I've been in the training room day in and day out with some savages and even like uh, like a huge shout out to the people I train with, that stout like Jonas, um, Will, Ty, all every, there's too many people to name. And then especially during quarantine, yeah. um, when everything closed down, Kama was nice enough to let me come in every single day and work with them. Dave Sachs, I continued working with him as well. He helped me sharpen everything, worked on a lot of things with me. So I want to give a huge shout out to those guys at the academy who let me into their gym during quarantine when they weren't supposed to be open. So Kama, Jesus. Um, Dave Shaco, Pat, and all of them, and then guys at the math factory, too. I've been in the room, um, with them as well, constantly like Isaac, uh, Fadi, who's fighting tomorrow on uh, UFC Fight Pass, yeah, JP, who's also on the card. Um, everyone from the math factory, so like I've been in the room, um, with high level people trying to take my head off, and like I'm not, it basically it's this fight is not going to be any harder than any of my sparring that I've been doing. So.
1: Well, it sounds in addition to all of those incredible names, the three main gyms, I brought this up before in the Pittsburgh world of MMA Are stout, like, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, your home gym, which is stout, but also the Academy and the Manufacturer. And it's nice to see how Pittsburgh is becoming like those three gyms are starting to have fighters train kind of, among all of them, which is hats off to everybody doing that. But you mentioned Jonas, um, who we've seen fight. He's a he's a heck of a pro fighter. But he always had that expression, records are for DJs. And it kind of sounds like you picked up on that as being one of his sparring guys and being close because you're you're not putting a lot of emphasis on the record. You're putting emphasis on the experience. And yep. so what are you, which is good. So what are you looking to experience in this fight? What do you want to see? out of
0: yourself as an experience um well so from what i've already experienced in the cage you're a different fighter under the lights and that's that's why like i didn't study my opponent my opponent's fight because i know he probably performs better in the gym like that's generally what it is with athletes they perform better in the practice room um and like even though i won my my two fights i was not happy with my performance and i said that after my uh last fight i was like I like I easily could have um performed way better. I I'm not gonna lie, I did freeze up, but even though I dominated the entire fight, um I know I'm capable of way more. But it's also it's different because these amateur fights, they're three two-minute rounds. That's a total of six minutes of fighting, and I'm used to five minutes sparring rounds, so I have more time to get things going. Um so uh I guess what I guess what I'm kind of focusing on is just making sure that everything I do in the training room shows the night of the fight when the lights are on, when people are watching. So.
1: Sure. And it's also a good time to remind uh, everyone that's listening that Pennsylvania has three levels of MMA competition, the novice level, the advanced amateur level, and then the pro level and the advanced amateur level. From what I understand, you have to have three amateur fights uh, to go advanced amateur and you have to have a winning record in those, um, uh, amateur fights. So technically, uh, you already are at that level in the sense that with two and O oh, you, you will have a winning record regardless after three fights, but I don't think this is an advanced fight for you, right? This is still your last novice, um, most likely. So, um, and you bring up a good point because th- there are differences that happen when you're fighting. um, and I think that's one of the advantages. Hats off to Pennsylvania, I think, for having levels in MMA, just because it gives people like you um, and anybody who's new to the sport to maybe have a couple fights to get them used to it before you're eating elbows, you know, type thing. Speaking of elbows and knees and all those things, how do you train? Because a lot of the guys you mentioned are pros. Yeah. How do they train with you? What do you do and don't do in sparring with Fatty and, and, and Jonas and a lot of those guys are, are pros, obviously, and they use a different skill set.
0: Um, so uh it's it no, it's everything goes. <laughs> <laughs> everything goes. They um especially like when uh Common was fine during court fighting during quarantine. Yeah, um, the Hazes had that Bellator fight coming yeah. up um when he fought uh I I don't you know. Pico, Pico,
1: Pico. Huge fight.
0: Yeah. The guy, the guy before that also. Oh, um, the Russian
1: dude. I forget. Yeah, his. Name. I didn't know
0: how to pronounce his name. Let's call him Russian dude. Russian dude. Yeah, sure, we'll go with that. But, uh, no, it, they wear knee pads and elbow pads. So it's cool. But, um, and I guess, you know, they're not trying to hurt me, but it's like, if they're just like, if we knee you in the face, we knee you in the face. And I've been need in the face. So it's like, um, yeah. It's, it's everything goes I when mean, it's with them. So it's like, that's why I was saying like this, an amateur fight with novice rules, like uh, to be completely real, it's not going to be as hard as um smart. Sure. So. sure.
1: Yeah. And that, that definitely makes sense. I think that's a big difference because there are novice rules in Pennsylvania where yeah. you're actually training at a higher, more uh, dangerous type environment. So yeah, it's, Yeah. And so there you go. You, you also tend to, and this comes from me being cage side and I'm shocked to hear how ill you were on your debut because physique wise and conditioning wise, it looks like you have it going on, you know, as far as uh, you're a very lean, good physique. It looks like you have good cardio, even when you were sick in that case. Um, So how much, how much have you been able to, to keep that going? Because as you mentioned, quarantine and COVID has changed a lot. So where are you as far as uh, the the physical stuff goes, the preparation, um, conditioning? I know uh comma's still been conditioning, I'm sure. So I don't yeah. know if you Yeah, the
0: hill sprints, you. the Sunday hill sprints. Oh
1: uh, yeah, yeah, the Sunday hill sprints. Those look fun. I like looking at them on Facebook, but I don't think I'd like them in real life,
0: so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really like them that much. Um, but uh, the, the whole, <laughs> physique means nothing i will i like i could fight i've gotten my uh definitely gotten beat up a lot in the room by people who don't look like me so i mean that means nothing i i don't know why i look like this like i'm just going to be completely honest people ask me about my diet people ask me what i do it's just i don't know i Don't ask me, but (laughs) you're
1: young, you're young, right? You're in your early twenties and you got great genes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I Um, mean,
1: I can, I mean, I'm not trying to, because you look like you put a lot of effort in, but it is humility to say that, Hey, you know, it's it's not like you're going out of your way to try to get a physique.
0: Right. Right. Particularly, you know, right. but, But, um, as far as cardio and everything. Yeah. Like I do, I was, if anything during quarantine, I trained harder than ever. I think I, I just went, I definitely did overtrain. I comma every literally every single coach from Stout, the Academy, and Matt Factory were like, You gotta chill out. You gotta train less. So it's like, um, but so I'm not what I was worried about before going into this fight was more like pulling back a little bit, like taking a little less damage, not going as hard mm-hmm. as before. And like, and not on top of like training with um all these high-level gyms i have uh pit wrestlers that i work with um that help me with my wrestling very high level wrestlers just wanted to give a quick shout out to jake wentzel and kellen stout um they they helped me a lot um and so it's i was just constantly uh i was just constantly in the room no matter what during quarantine so i'm um, cardio everything's there
1: yeah well and i think that's a big point you know you mentioned the uh three two minute rounds and obviously that's the lowest that's the smallest amount of time an mma fight will pretty much ever have given the fact that they go up to three fives and eventually five fives at the uh more competitive or more championship level but right. um with having two decisions and i bring this up because i think there is something to be said because it's a six minute fight getting those six minutes in, as an amateur can make a big difference because you're talking one minute longer than one pro round. So I think what sometimes happens in amateurs and hats off to amateurs. I coached an amateur once we called him 24 second Chuck because his first debut fight, he knocked the guy out in 24 seconds. I mean, that's pretty impressive. The challenge with, Being an amateur and having your entire fight career be 24 seconds long is there's not a lot to improve or work on. So out of those 12 minutes that you've had, that gives you an opportunity to look at kind of some of your strengths and weaknesses in live competition. And uh, I know you said about not looking so much at your opponents, which makes sense at this level. Amateur uh, fighters are changing on time. But how much do you think back over those fights and kind of analyze those 12 minutes for you?
0: um when i think back uh it i kind of am confused uh i well no i'm not confused i know why i did what i did but i definitely could have set certain things up better i definitely could have i definitely could have i definitely could have showcased my striking a little more um both fights i used wrestling to just dominate the fight because i knew uh when when i kind of grab someone i can feel if they mm-hmm. can handle the pressure or not and both times when i realized that they were going to have no chance against me on the ground i figured all right that's how yeah. um, i'm going to win this fight and um but i was not i was not a wrestler i didn't wrestle coming up i didn't have that kind of, like that kind of athletic background it all my wrestling came from working with pit wrestlers so i really was one of those guys who just started in MMA. Like I I knew I wanted to learn MMA when I uh, was going to pit actually. And um, pit actually had a mat room for people to just go work out, hit the bags, do whatever. Um, and striking, I picked up off of like YouTube mm-hmm. um, and I just like naturally had that footwork and um, the hand speed and everything. So I, I was technically a striker. And then I realized like, if you get double-legged by a high level wrestler, that striking goes out the window. So I just started working with very high level wrestlers. Um, so I definitely uh, think I could have showcased my striking a little more, um, but that is that is what I plan on doing in this fight. I just, this fight I plan on just sh- showing, showcasing as much as I can. That's mm-hmm. my yeah sure.
1: Well, I think you pointed out something that's important. It- when MMA fighters have pressure from fans or coaches or whoever to fight a certain way, that doesn't make sense. Cause MMA is about getting wins. Yeah. It's about doing what you need to do. The Ronda Rousey. Now, now we, I think people that understood fighting that watched her, um, could see that, you know, her striking wasn't overly developed, but when Judo's working against everyone,
0: right.
1: I mean, you know, why should somebody put themselves in harm way if they can win a different way? You know? So it's one of those things where I think it's very wise when you grab somebody that you kind of feel where they are. And if you can take them down you take them down because it's, it's the best way you can win a fight. Just like in pure boxing or let's say kickboxing. If I see that somebody or if somebody sees that somebody has an obvious flaw in their game, they're right. going to take advantage of that. It's the same thing. MMA just tends to get the reputation. Some people do with grapplers um oh you're you're looking for the easy way out well grappling's not easy grappling's hard so it's yeah. not like you're looking for the easy way out you're looking for the way you can win and also as men, as a huge compliment um uh, a very successful mma fighter who i would still consider to be one of the greatest ever george st pierre was very similar uh, okay there's some differences there obviously but similar in the sense that he learned yeah he learned wrestling for mma and People still have a hard time believing that he never wrestled in, you know, any of those, um, you know, developmental wrestling leagues. But I think in a way, what do you think the strength is for you wrestling with pit wrestlers already knowing you wanted to do MMA? How did that help you integrate wrestling in a way that makes more sense for MMA?
0: Um, That top pressure and ground and pound, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't like I... I like found a way to, I'm not a very submission oriented guy. Um, lately I've been going for more submissions and training and whatnot. Like, uh, because it's like I said, it's good to sharpen every single thing, add more weapons to the toolbox. So yeah, I've been working on more submissions getting to the uh, finish, but it's not something at least not yet in my later fights, I will start to hunt for that. But, um, far as right now, I'm going to stick with what instinctually will work for me, but, um, I just loved – I loved the – like, I always preferred striking. I loved um, the footwork, the bounce, the head movement, everything. I loved how all that came naturally for me. But then once I started – I was trash at wrestling because I didn't know how to wrestle. So, like, I hated it at first, but, like, I forced myself to keep going until I loved it. And then once I was able to start kind of um, using that wrestling top pressure – being able to ground and pound people like that was just really fun. I just love watching people just have this look on their face. Like they're drowning, like they can't breathe. And they're just like, get, get off of me. But like, they can't, they can't get me off of them. Um, there was just something about that style, like Habib, like I, that style is just like, so it's so humiliating um for the other person. So yeah.
1: that's the smothering. It's interesting when you bring up Habib, obviously he possibly retired uh, for his career, although there's already talks. I'll come back. But I think other than his last fight, where he clearly was dominating and then decided, which is hats off to him to pull out some more complicated, kind of more, a little bit more advanced jujitsu, you know, and yeah. it almost looked like he did that for the sake of saying, Hey, look, I, I have this other skill. So like yeah. you said, always working skills, but in amateur novice. And I, I was just talking with somebody the other day. There, there tends to be this misnomer. Oh, there's no ground and pound. no, well, now, to be clear, and I'm only saying this because I think you already know this, but to be clear, you are allowed to close fist strikes below the clavicle, which I know is not the head, yeah. but you're also allowed knees to the body below the clavicle. And I have seen um, at least one fight that I know of in the novice amateur get ended because somebody was kneeing his opponent on the ground in the ribs and it got a TKO from that. So when you mentioned ground and pound, I know it's limited compared to advanced amateur or pro, but you certainly can still use your skills to have a smothering attack, even if it's slightly modified due to the rule set. So um I think that's an exciting mindset. Now you obviously mentioned Abib, how long have you been following them? And when did you kind of think like, okay, that's a guy that's using the type of techniques that you Gravitate towards.
0: Um, definitely before I ever stepped foot in style. Um, okay.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: Probably like probably a year before I started wow. going to style, I was um watching him and kind of uh realizing like that type that type of pressure is there's nothing anyone can do if that makes sense um I uh and it was also it was kind of like it it really was his mindset that um I like admired the most and essentially smash um yeah Yeah. and uh yeah just it was just something about that style that was just like I, I'm just so drawn to it. Now I'm not saying that's the preferred style that I, my preferred style is to mix it all up, to outstrike them on the feet, pressure them, you like beat them with my speed and then take them down, um, humiliate them on the ground for a little bit, let them back up, piece them up Like, that's what I prefer to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I would like to kind of create, mix everything together, essentially, like be the most well-rounded fighter I can and showcase all that in my fights.
1: Sure. well, being a well-rounded fighter is always, I think that kind of is the mandatory in MMA in the sense that even Habib can punch. I don't think anybody would want to get punched by Habib, even though that's not his forte. And it looked like, you know, it, obviously he worked a lot with um, Javier Mendez to work on his striking. And clearly it got better, particularly when he was with Connor, because it actually stood on the on the feet for a while. And yeah. while he wasn't, Uh, knocking connor out he definitely did pretty well on his feet until he could get the fight to the ground and i think going into this most recent fight against gaethje which a lot of people including myself thought that gaethje would have the recipe which he clearly did not have but one of the things that you say about mindset one of the things that habib said is he literally said but in his in his you know the way he speaks he said Uh, a a hundred takedowns like he literally was like I'll I'll do it until I run out of time you know so it was like he he wasn't saying oh I'm going to take him down on the first one or two times what's that mindset like since you like him so much that you need to kind of have a tough mindset where even if things aren't going exactly for you you can keep doing what you need to do to be successful as opposed to abandoning what would work for you
0: um it's that like unstoppable force mindset. i and like jonas uh will always say in practice like baby weights we don't get tired we don't get tired but like i literally like have to tell myself this all the time when i'm spot when i get my sb is yeah we don't get tired like keep coming like you got to kill me essentially that killer be killed mindset um it's it almost gives me a high and it's when I'm at my lows, when it when I feel like I'm about to die, like that feeling, like I'm about to die, just pushes me to keep going. Mm-hmm. It's weird, but that's that's essentially what I've kind of tried to pull out of Khabib. Obviously, it's very hard to completely adopt that mindset because what Khabib has gone through, the training, he's gone through everything. But, you
1: know you didn't wrestle a bear when you were a kid why not
0: no no i didn't, i uh i was wrestling with the violin when i was a kid
1: oh uh, wrestling with the violin <laughs> well that that builds up a uh, a mental that builds up a mental capacity there's no seriously there's something to be said for learning for learning something that's challenging but obviously i think wrestling a bear but uh you bring up a good point in in military training and in mma there's something called inversive training. And really what you're talking about is you're training yourself that when you're in an inversive situation, when you're out of breath, when you're, you know, when you're feeling like you're going to die, when your body's at sort of fatigue level, where you've actually trained yourself to say, okay, that's, that's where I can, I know I can focus more. I can push more because I think the challenge is everybody feels the same at some point. It's what you do when you feel that way. And it sounds like you've conditioned yourself to say, when you feel that way. To push forward, one of the training methods, and I'm certainly not in, uh like a legendary trainer, but one of the training methods I used to do with my athletes, and they didn't like it until they caught on, is I'd say, "Hey, you got three more. Do three more," and I would keep doing that for like 10, 20 times, right? Because mentally, as soon as you tell yourself, "I only have to do one or two more," you're you start taking something yep. off. You start getting, and and the first couple times I did it, they're like, "No, you said we were." You said it like three more we were done i'm like no no three more three more two more five more because there's that mindset you just have to keep going as soon as your mind says only blank more you 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 start shutting down and it right. sounds like you already have done that so um you mentioned a lot of people uh that training partners and coaches uh, i don't know if you have sponsors or family members people friends that you want to thank as far as your support group or if you're kind of um not sponsored yet which you know if you're not sponsors sponsor him but uh but kind of where are you with some of your thank yous and shout outs
0: um i want to every whoever is watching this will know um who they are but i essentially just want to thank every single person that has um been supportive of me chasing after this um and i want to obviously, like I said, I want to thank everybody that I trained with as well. I definitely missed, yeah, I missed Mike and AJ from style. Like I definitely missed a lot of names. Um, I hope no one gets offended, but there's just so many people. Oh yeah. And I, and people at all American too, like Nick Brown, Ethan Hayes, like they, they've been pushing me as well. Like that. Um, there's, so there's a lot of people from this area that I just, I have to thank for um putting time and effort into me because like we all like there are a lot of fighters in this area that want to make it to the top that want to make it to the next level and we even though it is a one-man sport we do kind of have to we do kind of got have to work together
1: yeah absolutely there's definitely something to be said it is a individual sport but that individual has a team or an army or a training crew around them um and that goes all the way back to some of the uh I think they were called Luduses, but the gladiator schools um, were one of the first, and I'm sure even before that, but the gladiators thousands of years ago had they had to train together, even though they often fought alone, because that's that's the only way you can get better is to train with people at your level, or as you've been pointing out, even hopefully above your level, because mm-hmm. that now just as a as a kind of a fun question. Are you coaching um, at any of the gyms at Stout? And if you're not, what skill would you most want to teach a new person? So are you coaching? And if not, what would be your, like, one, man, I'd love to teach a newbie blank skill?
0: Um, I'm not coaching uh, at, at Stout. I am going to uh, be one of the personal trainers at the academy coming up. I'm just okay. on this fight right now. But uh, Dave did um, – Put me on as one of the personal trainers at the academy so i'm looking forward to that but that's i'm not that's not like a coach or anything um but uh i will say i would like to do one-on-ones um if and you're you're asking what skill i would like to teach yeah um i mean if you're doing one-on-ones you're
1: probably gonna have to teach all the skills but i mean right. as far as something because here's what i think of when you teach a beginner a new skill it's like what skill could you never get tired of teaching i guess like for me jabs i love teaching jabs that you need them they're kind of get overlooked at times but like i could teach a person to do a jab a thousand times even though it's repetitive but it's like okay i know this is going to help them so is there a skill um that you would like never grow tired of teaching somebody
0: yeah honestly it depends on what they're trying to do they're they're just trying to do it for Fun or whatever, else. yeah. The jab would be the main okay. thing I would constantly be working on them with, finding their oh, distance. Yeah. Footwork, the yeah. um, if they're trying to fight, I would be beating wrestling into them first sure. and foremost. I'd be beating wrestling into them, wrestling takedown defense and takedowns, um, because that dictates where the fight goes. Um, and then from there, we could figure out, okay, are they a better striker though, or do they prefer to be on the ground? And then I'll kind of branch out from there, mm-hmm. but yeah.
1: Well, that's very insightful, and also um, always important when I interview, particularly regional amateur fighters. Is uh, you and many others, you you need income. You got to have money coming in somewhere. So everybody that's listening to this, consider Alan for personal training, and then potentially one-on-ones right. um, because and
0: selling lessons. And what violin lessons?
1: Are you actually? I mean, are you still a violinist? Like.
0: Um, well, I mean, I I started at a really early age, like before I can even like, I could really form super coherent memories and wow, that, like the way Khabib's dad beat wrestling in the yeah. is especially what it was for me with the violin. So um, wow. I like I'm not still consistently playing all the time or anything, but I'm well, you can teach. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Well, hey, I mean, that that is definitely something I think one of the things now, seriously, I think it's one of those things where. Um, any, any skill you have takes both the mind and doing it. And that's just like MMA. You gotta, you gotta know it to do it violin. You gotta know it. You gotta think differently. They've done a lot of research. Um, as a counselor, I've, you know, looked a lot into, uh, neuroplasticity, which is the way the brain functions, the way it creates neural pathways in the brain and music, which I unfortunately do not know, but understanding music, the scales, singing, playing, whatever it is. Actually creates like your brain has to think a different way, which can be an advantage. So, um, yeah, hit hit Alan the Chinese disappointment up for violin lessons. Why not? But since I already asked you, uh, you know, job-wise, what are you doing to pay the bills? Like, what? what doing
0: one-on-ones and stuff with people like my friends outside and stuff. Okay. Who wanna, yeah.
1: Good. Yeah. But well, uh good. That's an important. That's an important thing. And for everybody that's paying you to train them, that that's helping somebody pursue their dreams. That's a big part that a lot of people miss in MMA is um, people do not start off in MMA making money. Oftentimes it takes money. It yep. doesn't make money, you know? Yep. So, yeah. So that's great. Well, okay. I appreciate, do you want to do a prediction or any thoughts on the fight as we wrap up? Um, any one liners? I will break you <laughs>
0: Anything like that. Uh, no, like, like I said, it's, um, it's, it's an amateur MMA fight. It's a yeah. hard barn sessions, but I mean, yeah, no, I predict the win, obviously. Um, okay. but I'm not going to say and be like, I'm going to knock him out the first round. I'm going to come out absolutely perfect. And, um, no, I'm, I predict the win, and regardless feet ground, I'm going to, I'm going to make him feel like he's drowning. So.
1: Well, I appreciate you coming on the show.
0: Thanks again. Can't wait to see you. you in action. Take care. All right. Have a good one. You too.